Hello. How's your bad eyes? Doobie, doobie. That's the third one tonight. It's okay. The police are tracing the call. Hello. This is the police. Those calls are coming from inside the house. Repeat, those calls are coming from inside the house. Beware the penguins. Sir? That's, that's what you said, dooby-dooby-doo. So when we... <laughs> so when we do, we don't do that. Okay, guys, welcome back to this week's Grimerica show. We're going to be talking with uh, Dr. Amit Goswami a little bit later. Uh, and uh, RPJ is going to join us. But uh, first, how's it going tonight, buddy? As always, it's Graham. As hey. always, it's Graham. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Welcome uh, to the intro, Red Pill Junkie. Hey, guys. Uh, long time, no Skype. It feels like it's been forever, man. This is uh, good to have you back on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's good to be back. Yeah, you've been through a couple earthquakes and a flood since we last <laughs> talked to you. <I> think. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, man. Right now, it's pouring like crazy over here. I'm, I am about to start rounding up two of each animals, you know? <laughs> Do it up. Yeah. You don't need, just forget the cats. Okay. So no cats in my ark. You'll be sorry in the future when you have nothing to cuddle with. I okay. Know. I don't think we'll, we'll be sorry. <laughs> You're off the ark. So, hey, um, we were talking about synchronicities on the last couple of podcasts. Uh, do you want to uh, tell you one of my sisters there, Darren? Or? Sure. Darren's pretty hard on me on the with the scale. We need a jingle for this too. But so I was telling my sister how we were talking about uh, some of my synchronicities on here, and uh, she's we always share them with each other. It's pretty cool. So she mm-hmm. had one the other day where she likes to go through her to go through her phone every once in a while, and she likes to delete delete contacts that uh, she hasn't used. So she mm-hmm. was going through her phone, and she met this couple. And like over a year ago and she hung out with them once, uh, you know, and then she kept her contact. They were planned on getting in contact with each other, but they never did. So she was looking through all the contacts. She's thinking, well, I'll probably never end up getting together with these two again. So she deleted the contact. And then later on Mm -hmm. that day in Vancouver, she lives like pretty much in the city of right in the city of Vancouver. So lots of people. Mm-hmm. She took this really weird route. She she did uh, took this strange way. I think she was rollerblading or walking, and uh, doesn't she bump into the guy? Whoa. She just deleted the contact. She probably hasn't seen him for a year. Nice. So she this happened again. She was gonna delete somebody's contact just recently, and she didn't. And she saw the guy. Uh, and she hadn't seen him in a few months. Uh, it, it was very, very similar story. Mm. Wow, that's a very cool synchrony set of synchronicities. And and it started way back when. I got to tell you this one other one is kind of the similar. You should just stop. No, no, no. One more. One more. No, 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 no. One more. Well, your head, Graham. You're doing okay right now. Her and her and her friend Janet. They came up with this thing because my sister obviously obviously these strange things happen to her, and she's sort of, I guess she's somewhat 
intuitive. Ever since this night, my sister and her friend made a deal that if, if they think of anything like that, or if they have any of those moments that they're supposed to say them out loud, like they're actually supposed to express them, right? Instead of just slough them off as being some weird thought or whatever, right? Because okay. they were going out in Vancouver one night, years and years and years ago, and my sister said, we're going to bump into like Joe Smith tonight. I don't, I don't remember the guy's name. She just said it out of the blue and uh, they kind of forgot about it or whatever. And then sure enough, um, they bumped into, and this is a guy that they grew up with that they hadn't seen in a while. And they grew up outside of Vancouver. It's not like they were in this local area mm. um, and they bumped into him and they both like, you know, shit themselves and oh my God, what a freaky coincidence kind of thing. So ever since that night, they're supposed to express their, their, you know, their, Intuitive, mm -hmm. intuitive moments. I'll give it a 7.5. Yeah. Seven. Right, that's pretty good. 7.3. Out of 10? Yeah. I give him a 3.5 red pills out of 5. <laughs> yeah, that's about the same. Yeah, I'll drop back down to 7, so we agree. Uh oh. I think, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, the problem when you start uh, describing synchronicities is like, you know, they kind of start uh, sounding dull because... They are so personal and so meaningful to, to the person who experiences them that it's very difficult to convey that to outsiders. That's exactly what I said last time, too. It, it feels so much more relevant when it happens to you. Exactly. Like, for example, I had a, a very interesting synchronicity just last Monday. I was uh, just listening to the Mysterious Universe Plus episode. You know, the guys had just released it, you know, and I was just... Uh, checking it out on my uh, the Android uh, beta beta app. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to that and then I decided, okay, so I'm going to check out some other things on the computer now that I have a little free time. And I decided to check out on Mike, Mike Leland's Hidden Experience podcast, <laughs> Pe Pe Hidden Experience blog. So, so there that I first found out that Mike had uh, recently updated the blog with a recent post about Aleister Crowley and uh, lamb and owls. And what do you know? You know, just when I was checking that, it was 11.33 a.m. my time. And then Ben was discussing. Uh, uh, discussing something about the book they read about Mike Oramp, this guy who claims to have had all sorts of uh, weird ET contacts, and how when he was a child he started to see all kind of weird animals, you know, near his home. And then right when I was checking Mike Leland's blog, who, as you might know, uh, uh, he's he has researched extensively about owls and synchronicity mm -hmm. and that's the moment when ben start, starts talking about how mike oram saw an owl outside outside his window so that was kind of interesting and just in that same moment same time 11:33, i received uh, an email from from micah micah hanks our friend and uh, so my phone just uh, emitted this my little ring announcing me that I just had received a, a, an email. Mm -hmm. So I think that's 
but yeah, no. I, I like I said, it's it's kind of dull when you you start describing and elaborating. But to me, it was it was a nice synchronicity altogether. Four point eight. Oh, that's a, yeah, oh, that's a good one. man. So you ne- you t- are you telling me you've never had a synchronicity? I've had synchronicities. Uh huh. I don't he's, know how I'd rate them. He's just harder than everybody else's. Harsh. harsh on my own. You can't just. Why? Can't give it Why to are you harsh? You can't Why just are you give har- it to you. Can't Why just... are you harsh on your on your own synchronicities? Because somebody's got to hold this guy down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that is no. That is, I think that this has more to do about your own denial. You, you don't denial to be open to the universe, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm open. No, me not up. open enough. No, me up, universe. Okay. But, I can't the just pro- give you tens all the time. Okay, yeah, it's no, gonna be harsh so that when something cool happens, it can't be a ten every time. So you want something like earth shattering, like you know, you miss the flight and the, that plane just happens to crash. You know, that, that would something. be a ten. <laughs> okay, it depends on how you missed it. Okay, so we're starting to calibrate the Darren uh, synchronicityometer or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. It's a tough scale. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we ask Rimerical listeners to send uh, to send you their synchronicities? And I'll rate them. And I'll crush your okay. dreams. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love to I'd love to hear more. I mean I'm I'm actually fascinated by the topic because I used to write them down. I'd make little notes. Uh, in yeah, a, I think in it's I think it's important to to write them down in a log, right? Send them to Graham. Okay, send them to Graham. Graham at Graham. Dot spam. Synchrogramerica. It'll just make you a spam at Grammerica.com email address. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you uh, have anything uh, interesting, Red? And it's interesting. Well, I think uh, right now one of the biggest stories hitting the news is the death of this famous artist, H.R. Giger. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but anyone who is a sci-fi fa- fan should know who he was. He was the guy, the artist who designed the famous Xenomorph alien in the alien franchise hmm. and and i'm just looking at his uh his picture here too now he's acted in a few movies too i think i really i because didn't he know that. really looks familiar i didn't know he actually had done a few cameos i don't know man it looks like it you'd recognize him but yeah that movie had a profound effect on a lot of people i think spin it around what the fuck for sure, man. He the the movie literally changed uh, uh, the way sci-fi science fiction was portrayed. I mean, it, if you look at the, at the alien, the xenomorph alien, it's so dark. It really is like something that came out out of his uh, uncon- uh, subconscious, you know. And there is this little uh, obit that my friend Greg Taylor wrote on the Daily Grail and there's a little like explaining how Giger Giger's creative process and it was very like I don't want to say channeling, you know, mm-hmm. but it really was like letting his subconscious flow, you know, letting like his very unconscious part of his mind take over 
the, and uh, put out on the canvas whatever it wanted, you know. And mm. then after the the main idea was kind of sketched, then he will try to you know uh, give it a little uh, detail it you know with the airbrush and all that but i find that idea fascinating how even like this guy who who claims to have he, he, he had a, a very pleasant childhood you know he didn't suffer any kind of uh, traumatic experiences with whom that might you know explain oh well the guy <laughs> the guy painted demons because you know he was an orphan who was raped by nuns every other week you know <laughs> on this kind of devil, uh, infernal orphanage no the guy actually had a very nice upbringing in switzerland and there's this quote that greg Put and said, my childhood, my childhood was very happy, and my parents have been very nice to me. I think that most of the images in my paintings are evil, but you can't say them that I'm evil. It's just that evil is much, much more interesting than paradise. Wow, there's a there's a museum uh, website of his H R G I G E R museum.com mm-hmm. and it's got lots of art and cool stuff on there mm-hmm. yeah. I think he coined a, a term from his a particular a, a artistic style I think he called him called it biomechanics or something like that because if you look at uh, most of his paintings and all, there's this very interesting combination of anatomy uh, and Te- technology kind of the technology yeah like and very, I, I, I don't know if you guys agree, very kind of psychedelic, but in a darker way, you know, not the kind of happy, you know, a multicolored uh, machine elves that Terrence McKenna would uh, describe in his books and in his uh, uh, interviews, but something like more uh, uh, primordial. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The bad trip shit. Maybe, yeah. but but then again, you know, isn't that true that the uh, the way we call them bad trip, you know, it it, it 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 is the improper way to label them because if you have a bad bad uh, uh, quote unquote bad trip is because you are refusing to integrate into your conscious uh, mind something that you somehow for some of the reason you have buried deep down in your unconscious and then the psychedelic experiences is forcing you to to face that you know to face that trauma or to face that aspect of your personality that you don't like maybe you don't like very much and they if you respond negatively to that experience that's because you, that's what you call the the bad trip what do you but think maybe, yeah that could be really Probably has mm. a lot to do with it, or yet set and setting can fuck with you too. I'd imagine quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And maybe yeah, the set and setting is uh, also involves whether you are ready for the experience, whether you are uh, like our friend Dennis McKenna said in the Grand America uh, when he was in the on, Grand, on the Grand America show. If you are in a good place, you know, psychologically. And that's when you're ready. You're ready to to take the experience. If maybe you are on solved issues, maybe you should step up, step away from the mushrooms, man. 
I had some bad ones back in the day. I just had bad acid ones. I don't think I had any yeah, bad, bad mushroom. Well, I kind of had bad mushroom ones too, but. Mm. So uh, I am interested in the way that these artists channel, though. Like some of the some of the best art you see out there seems to be channeled, not necessarily consciously or openly or the way they talk about it, but it seems like you have to be in this different state of consciousness. Yeah, I agree. There is this this very interesting uh, dynamic between letting the unconscious, you know, take the wheel. But also, you know, having enough uh, artistic talent, you know, to make that, you know, uh, whatever it comes from your conscious, you know, still have follow some some sort of um, how do you call it aesthetics canon rules or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our uh, our guest on this episode, Doctor Amika Swami, talks about how creativity happens, and you know, he's. He's got a, a nickname for it called the Doobie Doobie Doo. Doobie Doobie Doo, baby. <laughs> you do uh, and you be, and you do and you be. You know, it's uh, you know, it's it's fascinating because he's talking about exactly what we're talking about, but he's talking about it in a quantum uh, physics kind of language. You know, that's uh, fascinating. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's truly a, a oh, shit. <laughs> Jeff go that time <laughs> mid-sentence so it looks like it's time for uh, Graham's profound UFO quote of the week and uh, I haven't got one picked out yet so uh, RPG's <gasps> probably Ooh, victory uh, RPJ's <laughs> probably got one off the top of his head but and that, um, that no not really <laughs> the end of the grounds profound UFO quote of the week so oh no way no. man <laughs> alright so here we go Okay. I don't have a year on this one, but I shall be very glad to accept appointment as a member of the NICAP Board of Governors and be listed as a, quote, believer in the reality of UFOs with the understanding that I shall resign if it appears at any time that your big group is being used to cover up for the top brass. I know that there's a real need to break through the official Washington brush off and get the truth home to the people. There seems to be a great fear among the powers that be that the American people will panic if the truth be told. How little they know and understand their countrymen. I feel that millions of our people already believe in the reality of UFOs. And that's Admiral M. Herbert B. Knowles of the U.S. Navy. Interesting. The problem is that there are some people who believe that all these... uh, former military and Navy guys that were eventually part of NICAP, you know, they were uh, part of the board of directors. They were kind of maybe there to undermine NICAP from the inside. I was kind of hoping you were going to try and keep the dick streak going. Keep the what streak? Oh, the dick streak, yeah. There's a lot of Richards quoting about UFOs. I don't know if Red Pill Junkie gets it. Dick no, is a Dick. Dick is a nickname for Richard, and somehow I've been picking out Richard quotes. Richard. Yeah. Rich, all, Richard who? Oh, all kinds of Richards. Oh. Yeah. Well, Richard Dolan is my favorite <laughs> Richard. You know. 
Yeah, Dick. we should call him Dick Dolan from Dick now on. Dick Dolan. <laughs> oh, he's not a dick. No, no, it's it's, it's not a it's, it's not a bad thing. Richard Dawkins now he's a dick. Dick, dick Dawkins. Dawkins. Oh yes, a big dick. <laughs> sounds like a cartoon <laughs> porno character. Yeah, sounds like a rock. <laughs> he sounds like a a lead singer from an '80s Stankus rock band. Dick Dawkins. The Dicky Dawkins. Yeah. Oh well. We'll we'll pick up the streak again in a couple of weeks. So if you guys haven't heard already, you guys got to get on on uh, Money Bomb. Yeah, we gave out our first uh, gift, a uh, hundred dollars to a fellow for the Money Bomb. Galen, nice. Galen, yeah. Yeah, hammering on this month's. Um, we just got a, a nice hit the other day from Timothy, so thanks for that, and uh, keep them coming, guys. Uh, hope, hopefully, we can give away a little more money each month. Mm-hmm. Primerica.ca slash moneybomb. Uh, all the details are there. Yeah, and you can also uh, get a Grimerica email address. Uh, quite a few people have been doing that. You can subscribe to the show for 5 bucks a month, which gets you into the Money Bomb, and you get your own Grimerica email address. Well, supplies last. Well, supplies last. Until Darren loses it here, setting up everybody's emails. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a good job so far, buddy. Yeah. About a two or two to two to six-week turnaround. And we may have some more bloggers coming up. We've got some people interested, so uh, keep an eye on the website, and you may see some new blogs coming. I think that about wraps it up. Eh? Who do we got coming up after oh. this, after Mint? Next week, we got, we're got. we talking about that crazy video game, aren't we? Yeah. Hey, Red, we've got uh, a friend of my sister's, and I, I know him too, and he's got a virtual reality platform uh, game that's almost uh, finished being created here. Lots of interest from uh, the VR world. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. So he's like leading edge uh, virtual reality shit coming up. So we're going to talk to him. And then we've got another crazy guest coming on. Uh, Bill Blunden, is it? About uh, Behold a Pale Farce, which is, uh, is it about the cyber uh, cyber warfare stuff, Darren? Yes, yeah. yes, cyber warfare stuff. The book's not here yet. Yeah. Interesting. So. So yeah, lots of different types of uh, topics, lots of fascinating guests, all stuff we're interested in. So that should be a, a good month. Still trying got... to lock down the Serpo guy. I really want to talk about that now. Oh yeah. Oh well. So you guys uh, finally made the preparations for the first Grimerica anniversary? No, no, I've done nothing. Dude! What is that? That's in like fucking. What's today? That's the 13th. It's in 10 days or 12 days, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to... Here's our deal. We've got a release passport episode uh, before that, so that's got to come out next day. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to get that out. Yeah, I don't know. We got, well, 12 days. Mm, Not looking good. (laughs) Better get cracking. I don't think we gave it enough lead time, though. Well, it doesn't matter, man. You know, it matters that we do something that's meaningful to us. Yeah, I I don't want to do some sort of recap show where people have to no, listen to the same no, old stuff no. again. I think we just got to do something sort of sort of unique and special at the time. I don't think we need to plan. It's too late to plan for anything big, right? Too late. Or yeah. Too late. No live show. Okay. Anyway, I suppose uh, we should wrap it up. Uh, you guys got anything else before we'll take a quick break and jump into our chat with uh, Doctor Geswami? Uh, no, that's it. Well, 
maybe we should uh, say that we just had, before we started recording this intro for Grimerica, that we just had finished recording the first round table of Grimerica X with our friends Micah Hanks, Caleb, his brother, and Tyler Pittman. Yes, that's a really good point. Um, happy to be on the inaugural episode. So, so if you guys haven't done it yet, you should definitely subscribe to the Grimerica X. Um, oh, great, Graylian X. The Graylian X. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's. Uh, I'll link to all that in the show notes. Okay, guys, in Grimerica tonight, we'll be talking with Dr. Amit Swami, a uh, renowned author, and he's made a couple documentaries that'll that'll blow your mind. Um, but first, how's it going tonight, Graham? Hey, Darren. I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited tonight. I saw Dr. Amit Swami in Calgary lecturing, and it was fascinating. So I got to kind of see him in person, say hi to him. So it's great to, to chat with him here tonight. So Dr. Goswami, to me, he's a bridge builder, and he's been one of the few building the bridge between science and spirituality. And we have seen Amit in the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? And he has his own documentary called The Quantum Activist. We just watched that. It's actually really cool. Uh, He's a retired professor of theoretical nuclear physics, a pioneer of science within consciousness. And he's written many books such as The Self-Aware Universe, The Visionary Window, Physics of the Soul, Creative Evolution, God is Not Dead, and his latest book, Quantum Creativity, Think Quantum and Be Creative. This is deep, heavy, and truly fascinating quantum stuff, and we're going to try and keep our brains intact here tonight. So welcome to the Grimerica Show, Dr. Goswami. Thank you. So I suppose to start out, um, for for some of our our guests that haven't... uh, haven't heard of you. Maybe you could give us kind of a, a real basic rundown of uh, what it is we're talking about here so that they can kind of, you know, get maybe, maybe kind of like it, you'd explain it to a teenager so they can kind of, we can get everyone <laughs> yeah. started off on the right foot. Yes. Good, good idea. So uh, here is the deal. Uh, quantum physics uh, is physics of possibility. It says objects are not things, Determine things like Newton thought, things, uh, material things moving in space and time. Uh, that was Newton's picture. There is only one realm. And the behavior of objects can be completely determined from physical laws. Um, so 
this view, uh, of course, is still pervasive among um, scientists, especially you know, people of education, higher education, and this has given us the view called scientific materialism, that uh, everything is matter um, and movement of matter in space and time. There is only one realm. The Newtonian view still continues to hold in the mind of the scientists. Mm -hmm. But quantum physics, which is science's own discovery, and indeed um, all scientists agree that quantum physics is the latest physics, uh, when examined, even from a cursory point of view, a teenager could figure this out. Really, I mean it seriously. Um, because quantum physics says all objects are not things like Newton thought, not determined things, but instead they are possibilities, they are waves of possibility. Now, this seems innocuous. Can an object be wave of possibility and still be a Newtonian thing, a particle? That's when you get in trouble. Because waves can be in more than one places at the same time. That's kind of Anybody like the. The same idea is that is that sort of along the same lines where they like shoot the the light rays through the single slit and it makes two. That the, du and the double slit experiment. Yeah, double, yeah, exactly. Right, the double light goes through double slit and makes um, wave-like interference pattern. How does it do that if light was a particle? Now, of course, light was known to be an electromagnetic wave for some time. Uh, the particle nature of light that uh, Einstein predicted and that was discovered as photoelectric effect, that was the crucial thing for light. Mm -hmm. uh, how can light be a particle and as well as wave? For matter, it was the opposite. Matter was known to be Newtonian particle-like, but then it was found to be also wave-like, being capable of being two places at the same time. And now you have to really understand that this is paradox. And paradoxes are incompatible with science. Something must be wrong with the theory. Something must be wrong with the conceptualization. So very soon, the correct conceptualization followed. That these waves of possibility move in another realm of reality, the domain of possibility, domain of potentiality. And uh, the space-time domain is the domain of particles, which is brought about when uh, we measure when an observer looks at these waves of possibility. This idea was generated. But of course, this idea is revolutionary because it throws away Newton, Newton's concept of uh, one realm only. Uh, two realms of reality, two domains of reality sounds awful close to what ancient people, spiritual traditions who are built on their thinking, uh, thought that there is heaven, and there is Earth, mm -hmm. real. Mm. So um, this is the problem. Quantum physics from the get-go is telling us that there are two domains of reality, and our observation, we have something to do with the conversion of possibilities into actual events of our experience. Uh, so consciousness is in the game as well, not just matter. Conscious choice is what chooses uh, out of the possible facets, the one facet that become actual in the particle that we observe. Uh, this kind of concept is heresy. Uh, it continues to be, even now, a kind of undigestible 
bits of information that scientists are reluctant to look at because that cannot be denied, but they are very reluctant to give up their primacy of matter idea. Mm. Whereas some of us, myself and the staff, and Wolf and a few others, Casey Blood, uh, we are insisting for almost 20 years now that, look, this is the only way of looking at quantum physics because there is no other way of looking that takes away all the paradoxes connected with this phenomenon. Is that a clear enough summary? Yeah, yeah, that's that's crystal clear. <laughs> so you, so what you've been doing then is is taking this this quantum realm of possibility and and kind of applying it to spiritual principles in a way, right? Yeah. So from these spiritual principles are very very easy to get. I mean, once you recover heaven um, in science, you uh, can easily see that this is where all the heavenly qualities. Um, uh, come from. So this is where our experiences we have, like love, beauty, justice, truth, all those heavenly qualities, this is where it comes from, uh, our intuition. And um, we can easily found a science of all of our experiences, not just matter, but also uh, science of feeling, science of thinking, science of intuition, uh, science of wholeness, the whole enchilada consciousness itself. So, you see, science become, once again, science of a human being. The old science, Newtonian science, is really science of a machine. Mm -hmm. And the debate was, are we really machine? How far the machine explanation take us into understanding the human being? And then they have done a fairly good job. But initially, everybody understood that the game is not to replace human beings by the concept of a machine. The game was to find out how far the machine model can go, because the machine model was the simplest model that one could construct. Mm -hmm. But then uh, this is a peculiar thing. Something changed on the way to the forum. Something changed in the mindset of the scientists. They became very attached to the machine model, that they began to think of themselves included. All human beings are just machines. And uh, this is just uh, destroying our society today because um, if... We think of ourselves as machines. One thing that happens is that our creativity becomes compromised. And this is the reason that I wrote this book to, to tell people that creativity requires the quantum. You have to change your worldview to quantum worldview. Otherwise, however much we decry uh, the lack of creativity in today's society, creativity is just not going to come back because creativity requires quantum thinking, this two level of reality thinking. So let's talk about that a little bit, the creativity, because that's that's what your your book is about, right? The quantum creativity, think quantum and and be creative. And I've I've heard you talk about the doobie doobie do uh, yeah. concept, and and uh, it makes me think of that like the relaxation response, right? You know how people get brilliant yeah. ideas and inventions, like whether they're in the shower or when they're in some kind of unconscious state. Not unconscious, yeah. but subconscious, I guess. Um, uh, is that like unconscious a, better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Unconscious state. So is that like a quantum possibility manifesting like as creativity through the sort of unconscious solitude? Or how, how yeah, can you explain yeah, exactly. your... Okay. Exactly. See, you figure it out. So the point is that, you know, once you know that there is this extra domain, domain of potentiality, 
uh, in no time we discover anything a person can immediately realize that, ah, this is what the psychologists, uh, starting with Freud, have been calling you know, unconscious. Uh-huh. So initially, psychologists uh, like Freud uh, only thought about unconscious as a very personal thing. So it's more appropriate to call it subconscious, things that we suppress. But then Carl Jung, uh, Freud's protégé, he discovered that no, unconscious also has collective aspects common to all humans. How does it get collective unless consciousness itself is universal common to all humans? So uh, quantum physics finally showed the connection. Consciousness is the ground of being. It's the presiding officer of the domain of potentiality and the chooser in a quantum measurement of the facet of possibility that's going to become actuality. So uh, unless we uh, make room for unconscious processing, how are we going to use this holistic consciousness that chooses uh, when we are unconscious? In other words, how how are we being going to bring to bear the wonderful creative abilities of this absolutely marvelous uh, creative power of consciousness. So uh, the creative power of ourselves does not lie in our ego. Ego supplies the expertise, what is known. Creative power, choosing the unknown, that comes from this consciousness as a whole, this holistic consciousness, this non-ordinary consciousness of which we are unconscious. So unless we learn to process unconscious, unless we allow unconscious to come into the game, we don't get to be creative in the quantum way. So how do you, become very how do you recommend people do that? Like I, I have kind of one of my that, own. That's rules. what you said. Do we do we do? Oh. So when we, <laughs> so when we do, we don't do that. When we do, so if we have a do 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 lifestyle, we are always thinking, processing consciously. But when we be, have you noticed that all the worries disappear if we are truly into relaxation? We are not worrying about the problem. We are not focusing around. Mm-hmm. In those moments. The objects of thought that we were focusing on becomes waves of possibility. Uh, isn't, and isn't everybody it, knows. Yeah, go ahead. Isn't it funny how, like, uh, I just noticed the other night because I had a bonfire in the backyard, and you notice, like, as soon as you start looking into the fire, like, you're instantly there. And it's funny that that's something that our ancestors have been doing for, you know, thousands of years. They've been sitting around fires instead of televisions and smartphones. and. So you mean that brought you right into the moment, like being yeah, right exactly. there? Yeah, exactly. I'm just there, just in B, B. I'm in the B. Yes. Uh, watching fire, uh, watching the sky, uh, watching the ocean, these are uh, wonderful ways of being. Uh, I strongly recommend. Uh, this is a good idea. Uh, Einstein's being arrived usually while he was shaving. He, he wouldn't worry about shaving. He learn to pay attention to the shaving itself. And that relaxed his mind from physics. Mm-hmm. And those were the moments where we would get his creative ideas because unconscious processing is um, augmented, is amplified. Quite uh, simple, because if you throw a pebble in the water, you create a water wave, and what do you see? The water wave starts small, 
around the pebble, but then uh, it grows, it becomes larger and larger crests. So that's what happens to waves of possibility. If we just allow them to grow without collapsing them into actuality, what happens? The waves grow and grow and grow, becoming larger and larger pools of possibility for consciousness to choose from. Okay, so I'm unconscious of it. But so be it, why can't we rely that we have, uh, we are rooted in a much greater, much more creative consciousness and let that consciousness do the job. This is what spiritual traditions have been telling us. You know, their word is that, look, the train is already moving. Put your luggage down. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, I suppose, I mean, that, is that partly to blame like that? Does that get into where you would be using more your left side of your brain than your right? Well, right, right side and left side um, are relatively unimportant classifications. It, it does have something to creativity, uh, with creativity in the sense that the left side is more digital and right side is more analog. In that sense, uh, right side is more uh, specially capable and therefore ask, artists use it more. Uh, left side is more digital, as I said, so scientists use it more. But uh, these are relative things. Both are basically computer-like, although there has to be a quantum mechanism too in the brain, otherwise you would not have perception. But um, uh, the when people normally talk about left side processing or right side processing, they're thinking of brain as computer. And in, in that way, um, the quantum collapse mechanism in the brain is on the left side. So right side actually processes part of the unconscious processing. So in that sense, um, again, right side thinking helps a little bit more because it, 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 is, it is unconscious. It, it, we, do, we do not collapse the right side directly. Right side has to communicate to the left side before we can collapse it. Hmm. And of course, the corpus callosum does the communication. So you've been at this for a couple of decades now, and you've been kind of on, on the, you know, the fringe talking about spirituality and science and the, the space where they overlap. And, is is science, or let's say the the materialistic science, is that coming closer to a consensus on this, like the actual non-locality or duality of consciousness? Like, have you seen well, a change? I have seen some change. Uh, last year, I went to a conference on quantum physics in uh, Paris, and I really noticed a great deal of change. Last such conference I attended with um, strict scientists was probably 20 years ago um, right. because usually even such a meeting would not invite a person like me uh, who is radical in their view. Right. But in this conference, there were three of us. Uh, just imagine, there were 12 of them, but three of us. And of course, we don't believe in us versus them, but they do. So I'm using the same terminology. But uh, to my surprise, uh, these people um, listened to the reasoning with attention and respect, and we had a dialogue. I mean, that is uh, such a heartwarming thing to happen. So has things changed? Yes, things have changed. 
things have changed and um, things are about to change more. Because the consensus was that yes, the consciousness solution of quantum paradoxes is the only paradox solution so far. These people just wanted more time. They are not saying that any of the solutions that scientific materialists have come up with that get a lot of publicity from the news media because the news media is very materialistic. But uh, these scientists were open enough to admit that these solutions don't go far enough. They're all sophistry. Hmm. Um, but they wanted more time. They needed more time, they said. They'll still look at it a few more years to see if alternative really exists. If not, they'll fold. <laughs> so yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's positive. I mean, I think of, I heard you talk about your experience, how, you know, you, you came from the materialistic world and you had sort of a, a, a minor kind of spiritual awakening or something and you realized that there's, you know, there's more to it and you wanted to change your way. And I wonder if if uh, it's just a matter of time before more scientists have some sort of personal spiritual awakening or experience where it'll just tip over the, the scales and it'll start to really shift. Let's make them all eat a big I, handful. I, <laughs> I think I think you guys are on to something. Uh, that's how changes happen. Um, events, grand events of uh, synchronicity, to use Carl Jung's uh, terminology. Uh, lots of people uh, recognize that, yes, this is the way to go. It is the same thing that happened in the transition from the old religious point of view to the modern scientific point of view. Um, which really took place um, uh, taking uh, almost 100 years. But as you know, uh, Copernicus wrote about it, and then he passed away. His work was published, but nobody paid attention. Galileo paid attention, but only a few people understood what Galileo was doing. Only when Newton took over, and Newton's arguments were so solid, and discoveries were so fresh and so mind-boggling from the experimental point of view that the acceptance was immediate. Mm. So it takes time. It takes time. We need uh, go on to get new experiments. There's a lot of new experiments being done. Mm. Phenomena which cannot get explanation from scientific materialism point of view. Uh, those phenomena has to come to fore in public awareness. And most of all, we need to influence the media. This is where you guys are very right. helpful. Internet is a fresh place where people can find these alternative thoughts very much alive, and that's a very good sign. Hmm. I was going to ask you about the latest scientific experiments in quantum physics or mechanics. Do you have any good examples of any, you know, any studies, anything that's kind of tweaked your interest over the last year or so? Well, that's a lot of them. I mean, you know, the usual uh, things that get a lot of publicity, um, uh, those are, of course, there too. Uh, the non-locality experiments, so get, they get deeper and deeper. But the recent most uh, stunning um, thing that is happening is the repetition of an experiment that Jacobo Greenberg did in 1994 in, at the University of Mexico, proving that Electrical activity from one brain can be transferred to another brain without any electrical connection. Now, that experiment, 1994, rep repeated in 1998 in London, and then repeated 2001, 2004 in um, Seattle, Bastille University. But then, 
an explosion took place. Hmm. In the next uh, years, uh, some 20 or so experiments repeated same thing and uh, replicated the data. So it is now without any question that uh, the transfer potential is now the most serious evidence that brains, between brains, non-local transfer of information can take place. Who which, is doing it? Which, which it's the connection of consciousness. Which lends to the idea that, I mean, we should be able to transfer thoughts if we really wanted to? Yes. This is the, this is that that one. I want, when I we intend I if, that there be a non-local transfer of information, and indeed there is non-local transfer of information. I wonder if there's I, I'm, is it the possibility of like you know swarms of fish or flocks of birds or even like grass and trees being being detached enough from materialism to be able to like is it possible that that stuff's going all the on all the time between them. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, um, a fellow named Clyde Baxter started this back in the 1960s that plants can communicate with us, and little creatures can communicate with us, even bacteria can communicate with us. Uh, nobody believed him then, but these experiments then were repeated by a biologist in um, Canada, and uh, now Merriman Schitt and others have um, investigated and um, you know, Dean Radden. And uh, some of these experiments have indicated in, in, in flying colors. So indeed, uh, this non-local communication. And of course, I should mention the non-local communication in healing. Gene Asterberg has done some wonderful physiological experiments which uh, proves beyond doubt that the initial data of Randall Bird um, uh, is, is certainly confirmed. There is no doubt that uh, healing can be affected from a distance without mm. any local signals. Okay. Non-local effect of prayer on healing. It is now established. Mm. Graham likes that because he's a Reiki, Reiki master. <laughs> Well, Reiki Master, of course, does it with, um, I mean, it could at least be interpreted as, as local because you were, you were hands off, but still, you are there uh, in that sense. But, uh, of course, there is no, obviously, there is no signal involved to the common sense, it's clear, but to the scientists, they can always use the red herring that maybe there is some local signals that we don't, we are not detecting. So, you know, um, but these prayer experiments at a distance uh, with double blind, they are absolutely uh, effective because uh, you cannot uh, resort to those kinds of escape hatch. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's a component to Reiki healing, which is called, uh, like, it's distance healing. So it's probably very similar to the you know, distance yes, yes, prayer yes. healing, but I'd rather, I'd rather you not call me master Darren. I'm really just rather you say Reiki level three or something like that. Oh, we call you a Reiki. <laughs> like a Jedi. That's better. Um, so like, yeah. in all your research over the years and, and your transformation from, from uh, materialism to spirituality, what would you like, if, 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 could you define uh, your, your, I suppose your d description of what spirit spirituality means to you? 
Well, um, to me, you know, uh, my first uh, very discovery uh, of the spiritual realm came because I did a seven-day intensive uh, meditation practice. Mm-hmm. And I directly you know, went into a state of consciousness that uh, suggested that I was one with the grass, the field, the trees, the buildings, everything. And the capacity to love that I experienced the next couple of days was truly astounding. I, I never, ever, and since have experienced anything like that. And then, of course, my own um, discovery of quantum measurement solution, um, that was also uh, a great revelation because consciousness is the ground of being that dropped on me like a ton of bricks. And (laughs) there was just no escape. I knew. After that, um, I knew there was no way that um, anybody can ever create any doubt in me about consciousness is the ground of being. So um, this kind of thing is um, what tells me that there is indeed a reality uh, and there is causal uh, efficacy in that reality. And that causality determines what happens here. So uh, the basic content of spiritual traditions that there is a power, spiritual traditions call it God, and God is interpreted in many different ways, so pictures you have to discard. But if you take God as a creative principle of consciousness, then there is no uh, disparity between my discoveries, both theoretical and experiential, and what spiritual traditions talk about. Like in Jesus' statement, kingdom of God is everywhere people don't see it. It's everywhere in the domain of potentiality. God is the presiding officer of the domain of potentiality, just as religion said, kingdom of God is heaven. Uh, God rules in heaven. Uh, Earth is different. So, you know, I mean, we we have been uh, misreading some of the literature and people misinterpreting some of the literature, and that causes problems, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, now that we have a science uh, confirming the esoteric teachings in only one very sensible scientific way, I think the distortions that religions put up and confuse people will disappear gradually. That's that's crazy to hear about um, your your experience there with the oneness and everything like that. Because I've got to say I've I've had similar experiences on on um, heavy doses of psilocybin mushrooms and like almost to the T with what you're describing with the extreme feelings uh-huh. of love. Uh-huh. With oneness, yeah. knowing yeah. that there's everything's connected, do you think how do you how do you have any thoughts on that and on how like like I can almost see the universe vibrating around me sometimes and like it's it seems like the two are un, undeniably linked together at some level. How wonderful! You know, this is what we explain now when we make a good theory of how our self arises we find that this is how our self arises from the unconscious. This self is a universal cosmic self, the experience that you and I have. That experience is the experience, the primary experience. Even Freud had an inkling of that. He had this primary process thinking that he alluded to in some of his writings. That may be talking about this primary self. Self, when you see something for the first time. Poets know about this. T.S. Eliot. Uh, talks about this in the four cartel, seeing it for the first time. That seeing something for the first time 
that's the key. Uh, that's, that's when we see the oneness of everything. And then, of course, our memories are created. Even of that experience, there is a memory, and memories are not the, not the same thing as what we experienced originally. Uh, so um, memories produced the ego, eventually produced a conditioned response, and um, everything changes. So most people miss this primary self-experience, and this is why they're so reluctant to trust what mystics are telling us from 3,000 years, and we still are stuck in views like scientific materialism, which obviously recognizes only the ego is that. Only I say that because if the ego, as you know it, has a little bit of what you come up free will, that scientific um, this, uh, behavioristic explanation uh, even ignores that part. It's all behavior, it's all conditioning, nothing of your own. got a question here before uh time slips out of uh, our paradigm here and it's from uh one of our listeners uh via twitter and he he wants us to ask uh who's this from darren psychedelic novelty oh psychedelic novelty how appropriate so he says ask you about quantum vibrations in micro tubes as source slash receiver of consciousness in the human body well, microtubules is an idea put forth by um, a couple of scientists, um, and uh, these are this is one attempt to understand the quantum in the brain. Um, more detailed examination, which I have done, because brain is more than just a quantum system. Brain also, remember, is a system in such a way that there has to be uh, the cell preference that arises. Uh, all of a sudden, we have a subject-object split world. We are experiencing uh, brain as ourselves. How do we identify? How does this identification as a subject of an experience come about? If you start with objects, then we always have objects. We never get a subject. So when you put that in, that in the equation, you find that the brain has to be very special. It just cannot be just a usual quantum system, which can be analyzed reductionistically, reduced to movements of microtubules, for example. Instead, what the brain has to have is called a tangled hierarchy. It's a system where the quantum and the apparatus that measures it 
they are intertwined uh, in such an infinite way that um, you cannot reduce it. It becomes an irreducible unit that we call a tangled hierarchy. And our self arises from this tangled hierarchy being present in the brain so that consciousness, when it collapses the possibilities of the brain, identifies with the brain. It, a brain is no longer perceived as an object. Notice the brain is involved in our perception of an object, but we never see the brain. Instead, we identify with the brain. Mm -hmm. That arises because of this tangled hierarchy in the brain. This is what Hammerhoff's model misses, that uh, microtubule model misses. So I suspect that the microtubule is a very good attempt, and these people should be praised for their uh, openness towards at least allowing quantum in the brain. But the quantum in the brain in the classical fashion, in the usual fashion, just is not enough because that does not give consciousness the vehicle to identify with. For that, you have to have a tangled hierarchy. You have to have a system which cannot be reduced and therefore cannot be analyzed in the way that Penrose uh, and Hammerhoff analyzes it. Okay? Wow. Well, thanks for that question, but I'm going to have to go back and listen to that answer again a couple times. You got my head spinning here. So we have we have another one. <laughs> we have another one from AZ, and I think he's he's going to ask a question here about the observer effect. And this is I like this one. So. Do you think it's consciousness or the actual measurements device's presence that causes the wave to collapse? Okay, you see, you, know, you cannot get rid of the tangled hierarchy concept. Okay. This is again <laughs> involving the same thing. Why is an observer not an usual machine that is observing? If a brain was an usual machine, then again the same problem, it's just made up of uh, possibilities, so um, how can brain be any different than the Geiger counter or the camera or uh, whatever have you? So this question will persist. How does a measurement take place at all? So measurement takes place because of brain's tangled hierarchy. You cannot get out of that concept. You, one has to accept that, okay, there will be some brain twister in the model that we are developing. We cannot uh, avoid it entirely. But I think even a teenager, if, 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 you know, teenagers, I know they have this problem with do-do-do hyperactivity, but if they quiet down a little bit and allow thinking to continue in the quantum way, do and be, uh, probably a little effort can grasp enable them to grasp it. And once you grasp it, I promise you this, you will have a shiver in your spine. You will realize that you are rooted in consciousness as a whole. You will realize that you're part of a cosmic consciousness, cosmic play, cosmic purpose, and your life will be forever changed. In other words, you will be enlightened in the traditional meaning of it. There's no doubt about it. This is what happened to me, and it can happen to anyone. And you can't beat the slogan, doobie, doobie, doobie. <laughs> So exactly. the the idea the the idea of observer effect is one that's crazy to me, and it always I can't help but think of the possibility that it it's it kind of lends to a digital universe like you hear those theories out there, um, like a simulated universe. Yeah, kind of like along the same lines of like you know the inside of a tree doesn't exist until you cut into it, and then you'll see the rings, and then when you get a microscope, you know that's all that there is until you get a more powerful microscope, and then. Finally, we look deep enough that it's just like, fuck it, figure this one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. So how far how far down the rabbit hole can you go? When, when you go, you find that, well, you have to go infinitely down the rabbit hole, and therefore uh, that's what brain has to have, an infinity. So I mean, that is what tangled hierarchy. When you have such an infinity in the brain, then you have captured consciousness and made a representation of it. This is why brain can be an observer. Otherwise, um, there would be no observer effect and there would be no manifest world. This uh, scares people that um, there would be no manifest world without uh, such uh, models that we are creating with angle hierarchy in the brain. That scares people. They are so comfortable thinking that uh, we can just, you know, be consciousness separate from the object like dualistic assumption. Uh, implicit dualistic assumption of Newtonian physics. You know, of course, uh, scientists assume that there is a role for their eye anyway. Who can operate in the world without this eye? They just, they just want to have their cake in terms of everything is matter, but also eat it too in terms of the fact, oh, I have an eye because I'm a scientist, so I am special, privileged. So I can be creative, I can have an eye, I can have freedom, I can talk about freedom, I can uh, vote, and I can talk about choice, but uh, when it comes to talking to people in the classroom, no, 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 it's everything is machine. Look, disregard how I behave actually. <laughs> this is the reality, this is the truth, everything is machine. It's a very strange world we live in. Yes, yes, and I, I'm hope it's, I hope it's going to continue on the path of, you know, closing that gap between, you know, the, the materialists and, and guys like you. So, so this got, is right down the same, same alley as like collective consciousness, I guess. Some of it, I think, I think part of it is right. Amit, like he, but Amit, Amit yeah. mentioned yeah. collective unconsciousness, right? Maybe that's, yeah, well, it's probably more of that than anything else. Exactly. Collective unconsciousness is a better, better word because it is less confusing. When we say collective consciousness, the closest we can come is that quantum self-experience that we earlier referred to. Um, but uh, quantum self does not have the causal efficacy of the unconsciousness. So consciousness has causal efficacy of real choice, uh, creative choice, real freedom only in the unconscious. Hmm. So, uh, you know, that makes me think of like, like humans as a species are less in tune to that than everyone else. Because if you can look at it that way, then you can look at it as the idea that that's where, say, an animal's instinct comes from. And, you know, and human beings are born so fucking helpless compared to every other species <laughs> on the help. Like, you know what I mean? Every other, every other offspring can kind of fend for itself a little bit if shit goes down. And humans, like up until you're a year old, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. If, if there's no, well, no one there to take care of you. We seem more affected by our environment too. Like as you, you know, things that happen to you, like that epigenetic thing, or as you grow up, we seem to be effective, usually negatively by our environment. Well, uh, and these issues um, bring us to other aspects of consciousness. But, you know, if instincts are uh, interesting because the um, study of instinct is giving us another dimension of our being called a morphogenetic field that Rupert Sheldrake 
discovered. Yeah. So yes, it, it is it is kind of conditioning that leads to the instincts, and indeed, animals' instincts are more representative of pure feeling. But that is because animals don't give meaning to feelings. Whereas human beings, they have brain, they can process mind, and with it comes meaning. And it is meaning of the feelings that gives us emotions. And it is these emotions that you are faulting correctly. You know, we have negative emotion, feeling plus thought. And it is that thought that brings us in trouble. Like by itself, you know, uh, tiger is a fearful object. But why does a boss on Monday morning become a fearful object to cause a heart attack? Now that's because we have um, identified the feeling and uh, as the same as boss being a tiger. Um, and therefore we get into that feeling of fear, although boss is really in reality not a tiger. <laughs> boss is struggling with his own Monday morning jitters. <laughs> and we forget that and we get heart attacks most on Monday mornings. This is the kind of thing that mind creates. That's kind of like how, you know, like things like laughter and fear and stuff like that seem to be so contagious because it's an emotional transference as opposed to a cerebral one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. The, the emotion part, the feeling part is readily transferred. And mm. that is how in, in good, um, uh, good uh, positive emotions, indeed, uh, non-locality often is involved. Mm. But in the in the uh, negative, uh, on the other hand, it is all local. It's all brain circuits, and uh, that's why we never get uh, expansion of consciousness in negativity. This is why people are so you know uh, anal retentive today. Consciousness is really contracted for most people. I and mean, I'm sorry to say this, but this is like everywhere. Contraction of consciousness, great jacketed consciousness, is, is just a general thing all over the world. Not enough and, doobies. Uh, <laughs> doobie has to come in. Without doobie, doobie, do, we are doomed. <laughs> uh, Darren's going to use this doobie reference all the time now. <laughs> so I got, I got to ask you about, because uh, we talk about all kinds of crazy stuff on the show, like ancient mysteries, UFOs and UFOs, you know, ghosts, uh, Bigfoot, whatever, but, but it's all kind of fringe topics and it's all kind of, there's this overlap of, uh, you know, this thing that happens and it's basically the war on consciousness, right? Everything is kind of about uh, a truth or something that's being kind of kept from us or there's, you know, conspiracies behind it, but I want to know not being allowed to explore it legally. Not, yeah, not being allowed to explore it. Psychedelics are in there. So, have you thought about quantum physics and any of these stranger topics, like you know UFOs, or or have you had any really crazy experiences yourself? I do not have any experiences of UFO, and that is unfortunate because um, you know it, that then I would have some. Uh, scientific way of uh, thinking about them uh, mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. What I have is other people's experience and um, the experiences that I have looked at, uh, the ones that are repeated and um, by many people and are quite credible, those are all uh, are pretty much explainable in a psychological does not mean that quantum non-locality is in, not involved, does not even mean that 
such beings as the ecocyters talk about not involved, but uh, it definitely looks like uh, all the sightings are a single uh, person, single observer phenomenon. There is just no consensus sighting. And uh, in the absence of consensus sighting, we have to say that a psychological explanation is completely possible. And the psychological explanation still uh, is quite unusual, but they wouldn't be as striking as um, if there would be consensus sighting and something physical just could not be denied. You see what I mean? So we need more data. We need more data, and we need some data on uh, uh, consensus sighting mm -hmm. by more than one person at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's what we need for, okay. for, for a scientific future of this kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't even know if but that'll do it. It's a very attractive idea because I have talked to um, several theophysiders and, and very legitimate, very, very, um, very believable because they are believable people with warm heart and some uh, amount of personal growth and transformation. So I don't doubt their experiences. But as I said, uh, the psychological explanation uh, seems to be enough. Uh, no physical, uh, actual physical uh, vehicle involved, uh, any of the object involved, that assumption just is not so compelling as of yet. So obviously you're like, every time I see you, you're smiling and you're a happy guy and you just love, love spreading the message. But in, in your, uh, in your little journey, has there been ever, ever been like, has, has there ever been, have you received much blowback or have you ever had any sort of Obviously, you haven't had any personal regrets, um, but, you know, has it ever been difficult? Has it ever made your path difficult? <laughs> yeah, of course, there has been, you know. I mean, uh, I am a human being very much so, and uh, struggle with some of my emotional life sometimes. But um, still, in spite of that, I could really honestly say that I'm about 80% happy. And my conclusion basically is that this is pretty good. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, 100% happy may not even be possible for the human organism at this stage of our evolution. Um, I know uh, there is image of the mystic who roams around with 100% happiness, but I haven't met anyone <laughs> of that type. I have met mystics with great uh, amount of non-locality, non-local consciousness about them. Uh, I felt happy uh, in that way. Um, but, um, you know, they are not the type um, to report 100% happiness. They, on the other hand, were very candid in reporting that yes, they get troubles and they have needs and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So um, I think the mechanism at this stage about evolution is capable not of perfection, but you know, close to happiness. It's basically happy life. That can happen. Yeah, I think the more you, you kinda work on yourself or try and and become aware of of awareness you know, you, you can bounce back from things a little quicker. I think you can kind of be, in general, a more content and happy person. Right. Moment by I mean, moment, basic, buddy. Basic, the, the basic thing is creativity. If you keep yourself to be on uh, dooby dooby doo and creative ideas come to you fairly often, uh, I think that's good for the heart and good for the immune system and um, and good for your mind and uh, mind body works better in yeah, that's what we call 
basically a whole, as whole as you can get. Uh, healing is about wholeness, and so 80% happiness signifies basically living with wholeness. 80 for 85? 80. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, up there. I'm, I'm happy most in, of the time. In, I can't complain. In, good. In, in that in that vicinity, 80, 85. So we're we're almost out of time, but before we let you go, is there anything uh, anything you just uh, can't let us go without our listeners hearing? Well, again, I repeat, think quantum, be creative, and all think quantum means is engage both the unconscious and the conscious. What would and the first step be? Oh, this, this first step, of course, would be just simply mindfulness. Just become. Um, you know, meditative. We talked about this a little bit. Relaxation, those things, plus focusing exercises. So, you know, I, I, in my workshops, I teach simple two kinds of meditation. One, the focusing meditation. One is a relaxing meditation. The combination is dynamite. Very creative. Do we do we do? And once one puts this into practice in life, you know, you never stop because life becomes, as we said, very much happy and creative life full of meaning and values. Perfect. Nice. So we're going to link to your, your websites and your book and all that kind of stuff. Your book again, which is quantum creativity, think quantum and be creative. Are you going to be speaking anywhere uh, at any conferences or are you just uh, touring around with your new, your new book? I get a little bit of a break from now to July. Next speaking is in July at a conference in Wheaton, Illinois, uh, at, at the Theosophical Society. So that's in, Wheaton is near Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yes, I'll be presenting there quite a bit, uh, quite a bit, getting uh, three or four presentations. So uh, it is in my website, amitgoswami.org. That's one word, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I dot R-G. Are you, uh, any plans to come back to uh, Scandinavia anytime soon? Well, <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, it, it's possible. I, I go to Europe all the time, so. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll have yeah. you in, uh, next time you're in Calgary, maybe we can have you in the igloo. That's well, what we I'd call our uh, studio. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Yeah, and I think um, you're you're at Quantum Activist on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, so people can follow you there. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for your time, uh, uh, Mitt. We really uh, we can sit around for a while now and pro- try and put our pieces back together. But I think you did a great job. I I, I almost got a grasp on it. I think. <laughs> Wonder. Welcome back to the Grimerica Show with Darren Grimes and Graham Dunlop. Yeah, that was our chat with Dr. Amika Swami. Um, if you guys are still coherent, we hope you enjoyed it. I know it was uh, 
it's hard to keep up with uh, with that stuff, man. It's super interesting, but I mean, there's times there that my brain is doing loops. Mm. Yeah, I love that stuff, man. I'm just fascinated by that, by that that part where the science and the spirituality overlaps. And I think he's really getting down to some some cool stuff about uh, quantum physics and I just started. And... I just started reading the book. I'm a couple pages in. Yeah, I think I got through the introduction because it showed up late. What'd you think? It's good so far, though. I think the book, it's going to be a lot easier to grasp reading it than it is trying to listen to it. Yeah, probably. I can go, you can reread and rewind. This might be one of those shows that people listen to a couple of times. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But it was great. Love to have him back on again in the future. Yep. Um, Actually, his publicist has been really good at hooking up with all kinds of guests. so, So that's been a great avenue. Cool, man. Well, we'd like to um, thank everybody for listening, and we love getting emails, or I do. Darren, Darren doesn't really. But Bam so, spamgram, G R A H A M at gramerica.com. And uh, tweet, tweet Darren. At Gramerica. Yeah. America. Make some comments on the website if you want on the episodes. Uh, review us in iTunes. Of course, good reviews. We prefer because it increases the algorithm to get us up there in the list, and you know we get more hits and more interest, that type of thing. Yeah, tell your friends about Grab America. As always, uh, we'll link to everything we talked about in the show notes, all the music you heard. Uh, as usual, if you guys uh, have any music, go ahead and send it down. We've played a few tracks from listeners now, so um, we love to play stuff uh, to help help spread the word. Yeah. So check out the Money Bomb. Uh, check out the website. That's about it. Yeah. Have a good week.
I had to rise above it all or drown in my own 